Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, your home for the Washington Commanders. And this year, this year for the first time in 25 years, the Commanders have a new owner. No more will you hear us complaining about one Dan Snyder. No, new ownership is buying everyone a beer. That is Josh Harris, Magic Johnson, Mitchell Rails, and a bunch of other billionaires. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline from the ringer, it's Joe House, House from D.C. What's going on, House? Hey, Wad. Do, do we have a football team? Is the people team back? Do the people have a football team? Does the DMV have a football team again? I mean, it sure seems like that when you see 10,000 people there day after day after day for training camp. It's got me fired up, House. Yeah, the, the real problem with this season is going to be tempering the enthusiasm, bringing the enthusiasm in alignment with what the real fortunes of this team might be. But can we all just take this minute to celebrate? And, and it's a wonderful thing. 10,000 people a day, it just shows out how much the, the pent-up uh, frustration, the, 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 the true... Uh, demoralizing experience of the past 25 years. We were just dying. We've been waiting for this moment to have the football back in our lives and have it be a franchise that believes in us as much as we believe in it. And it's time to go, buddy. New training camp. Look, you got big stands filled with people, parking free, shuttle free. I even heard the water was free. You've got new ownership group, Josh Harris, giving all the media members ice cream. I mean, it's making me jealous. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're a media member. Why don't you go out there and get some ice cream, pal? You know, I, I need to make a trip. You know, that's the thing is that uh, now that I'm in Richmond, it's not a hop, skip, and jump to get to Ashburn, but I definitely need to uh, be there. And you know what I want to see? I want to see with my own two eyes the impact of Eric Bieniemy calling the plays this season and running that offense. What kind of impact do you think he's going to have? It's a really fascinating question because – the tools that he has to deal with are kind of all over the place. It is still, even with the additions on the offensive line, projected to be a, like a bottom 10 offensive line, and it was a bottom 10 offensive line last year if you look at the advanced analytics and so forth. But at the skill positions, obviously, I mean, you, Terry McLaurin uh, deserves his, his uh, elite status. And I love the two-headed running back combo. Uh, Gibson catching balls out of the backfield. B-Rob as that, you know, getting downfield runner. If, 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 if uh, Logan can get himself healthy and have a full season, you know, at the skill positions, I like it. The Hotsons are an absolute revelation. But it all begins and ends with the offensive line. And I haven't even got the quarterback. So, you know, last year we had a bottom five, and some might argue bottom three quarterback room in the entire league. Again, sort of based on analytics, uh, of course, we love uh, the team man uh, Heineke and what he did in terms of just an overall positive spirit. It was positive vibes only with Taylor. And that, that really counts for something, which is part of the enthusiasm we have at this moment right now. It's positive vibes everywhere. But the, the two-headed monster of Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell, Sam Howell feels to me like not ready, but that's okay. The second-year player. And Jacoby Brissett 
was very good last year for the Browns quietly. He was a top 12 quarterback uh, when, when he played, but he had one of the top five offensive lines in the league, and he had the best running back in the league. He doesn't have either of those things here in Washington. Um, and when he's been put in positions like in Indianapolis and in Miami, where, where it seems like, you know, there are moving parts, um, he hasn't been as successful. So giant question mark at the quarterback position, but, you know, the enemy is, is ready to come out and show out. So it's just, it, to me, it's fascinating. I don't really have a good answer. I'm just enthusiastic about it. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of positive news coming out of training camp right now for the commanders. It's house from DC here with us on the Adid Mercer rug cleaning hotline, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. He hosts Square Bets Only, the Ringer Gambling Show. Follow House on social media, House from D.C. So with Sam Howell, what intrigues me is his ability to run. I I think we're going to see him take off, scramble, and run for first downs and touchdowns a lot more than we may have expected coming into this season because I really think Taylor Heineke had the same abilities but was scared to put his body on the line. He was thinking about that paycheck at the end of the day, whereas Sam Howell is going to put his body on the line, and I think he might end up getting hurt, and we might see Jacoby Brissett, but it might be a good thing for this team if our quarterback is not scared to take hits. Man, you're going right to the heart of the matter. I, you, just hearing you say that makes me nervous for the poor kid. He's not very big. Have you seen him? Yeah. Like he, he's, you know, put him up against other folks. He's, he's not much bigger than, than Heineke, and I do love very much. This is the thing that is his single best skill um, that we've observed thus far. He has incredible poise. He is absolutely willing to stand in that pocket, let it fall down around him, and still try to make the correct play off the correct read. And you can't teach that. And not seeing, you know, a, a rookie back there with, with happy feet and, you know, um, having his clock go off too early, that's a real valuable thing in an NFL quarterback. And that's why I believe it, it's the case that the coaching staff has the confidence that he could be successful. He's showing a poise that's beyond his use, but he's not a huge dude. And if he does get out and run, we saw him do it a little bit at the end of, of last season. We know he possesses that, but I just don't love him in the open field. I mean, it's not he, he, he doesn't have incredible speed, and he's not a huge guy. So he's got to pick his, his spots wisely, Awad. Joe, I'm wondering, so let's get back to ownership for a second. Magic Johnson had this incredible speech, got everybody fired up. You know, how will we see his impact in ownership? Like, what will happen when we know, oh, Magic was behind that? Uh, I don't know. I think it's just so sort of uh, helping buoy the overall enthusiasm for the franchise headed in the right direction and having the face of a winner like Magic, lead that charge. You know, let everybody know that there is a rebranding. There's a new sheriff in town. And I think Magic is just communicating to everybody, both in the DMV and in the outside world, that what happened in the past is going to stay in the past. It's a new direction and a new brand. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited uh, about, you know, an ownership that already is showing – an inclination to meet fans where the fans need to be met. You mentioned the free parking. You mentioned the free water. This is clearly an ownership group that is going to build a relationship, build a rapport with the fans, a fan base that's been starving for it. And, you know, it's all signs forward, positive vibes only. Do you have any plans to get back to FedEx Field this season? 
I'm definitely going this this year. I am I, I'm I'm here to announce I am going to uh, go. I haven't looked at the schedule yet to pick which one, um, and I still am not really willing to sacrifice a full ten hour day for it. You know, because <laughs> I have too much going on during a during a, a, a traditional. Sunday. I mean, I need to be on my phone, my computer, and have seven screens open in front of me. You understand, Awad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but we'll get out there for one of their 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 few island games. You know, games where it's a Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night. Yeah, sounds good. Let's link up for sure. I would love it. Yep. That's Joe House. Follow him on social media, uh, podcast network with the Ringer House from D.C. Thanks a lot, House. Appreciate it. Always, Awad. You call, I answer. I love that. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, available around the country on the Odyssey app. Download it today for free. You can hear AWOD Radio Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. The Odyssey app is the best app out there for play-by-play, music, and sports talk. It gives you the ability to pause, rewind, and pick up right where you left off. 910 The Fan is proud to be the home of the Richmond Flying Squirrels, who are off to die- tonight, which means you'll get to hear the Washington Nationals against the Milwaukee Brewers. First pitch at 7.05. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is Nats beat reporter Andrew Golden. What's going on, Andrew? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So tell me the latest with trade deadline rumors. Will Jaimeir Candelario be on the Nats? What about Lane Thomas? Will the Nats make some trades? If there are there are any trades, um, obviously there's no guarantees, but I think it's pretty close to a guarantee that um, the Jamer Candelaria will be traded by Tuesday at 6 p.m. He's on an expiring contract now. The suit of the Nationals will be kind of looking to move on from him. Um, you know, outside of that, I don't think there's any super obvious candidates. I think that um, the next two would be Kyle Finnegan and Lane Thomas. Um, but my, the sense I get is that uh, Mike Rizzo wouldn't be willing to move on from Lane Thomas unless he got a. Uh, Return that was for an all-star, you know, caliber player, which is what he believes Lane Thomas is. Um, and I'm not sure that he's going to get a deal that he maybe wants for Lane Thomas. And then Kyle Finnegan, he's under control for a couple more years. Um, he's a great closer, and there's a lot of teams that need closers. But I'm not exactly sure if I expect them to move him either. Although I think it's more likely um, than Lane Thomas. Um, but you know, there's a lot of teams that need relievers, and he could probably get a good return for it if he's interested. So I think um, I think Jamer's probably an obvious one. You know, Kyle's going to be under that, and then Lane Thomas will be under Kyle. Nats now 44-62 and 62 on the season, fifth in the NL East, but they had won two series in a row against the Giants and the Rockies, and it looked like may- they maybe were going to catch the Mets. Uh, what took place in New York over the weekend? Yeah, it's funny. Actually, the Nationals have been pretty – have not been great at home this year, um, but they won five of six in those two series. They went to New York. Um, they kind of just got kind of got outplayed in some games. Um, there, there was obviously a rain delay in the first game in the middle of a very intense situation. Um, just, just, just not great starting pitching, a little bit inconsistent. Um, and, you know, obviously, and the offenses didn't really hit that well, to be honest. They, there was one game where they scored early, they scored eight runs on Saturday in the first three innings and got up to a hot start. Um, but outside of that, the offense really didn't get going that much. And so when your offense isn't going, um, your starting pitching kind of has to be close to perfect, and that's not what happened this weekend. Andrew Golden with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Nats beat reporter for the Washington Post. So explain to me the story I saw that went viral of Nats rookie Joe LaSorsa uh, pitching in his home state with his family there. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, Joe obviously signed. With, he 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 was claimed off waivers um, from the team about a month, month and a half ago, and he's from um, from New York. Grew up a Mets fan, um, and obviously yesterday he pitched two scoreless innings. Uh, we talked about the game. He was really excited about it. He said he was trying not to make the moment too big for himself, um, and just focus and kind of stay under control until the outing was over. But he had a ton of family there. He said he said like all weekend like people were coming up, were getting him extra tickets so that he he could go. I have about hundred people in attendance. Um, so yeah, he really enjoyed having a good weekend and obviously had a great showing on Sunday. You know, the wizards are in a rebuild mode right now. The commanders, they have new ownership. Everyone's excited about that. The Nats have been in this rebuild for two or three years already. How soon until the Nats get back into the postseason? Do you think? I, you know, the next year I think will be a down year, but I think, I think in 2025, you can really start to see some of those pieces kind of come together uh, with some development. I think, I think you have a couple more years of, you know, C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, Kimber Ruiz, um, Luis Garcia, Josiah Gray. Um, you're you're going to add Dylan Cruz in the mix, hopefully, if he develops the way you're expecting him to. Um, I'm sure James Wood will also be in that mix. And so I think I think what you're seeing is a farm system that's, that's steadily improving. Um, it's starting to add the pieces that, you know, could be productive in a couple of years. And so I don't know if next year – I think next year will be a down year, but I think in 2025 is you can start to see them maybe start to compete or at least show flashes that they can be really competitive. How strong is the farm system right now? Where do we rank around Major League Baseball? It, it depends on the site you go to. But I, know for, I know at least for ESPN, I think they were 22nd a couple of years ago, um, and now maybe they're up to like 6th now. Um, and obviously obviously, we'll see the trade deadline kind of nets the Nationals if they get anybody in return that can also increase their odds. But they, they've improved significantly across the board. You know, the, the, you know, Depending on what site you go to, they all, they've all said that the Nationals have improved. Um, and so I think they're one of the better farm systems after having a really weak one before the Wasano trade last year. So I think they're really trending in the right direction in that in that regard. Andrew follows covers the Washington Nationals for the Washington Post. Follow him on social media, Andrew C. Golden. That's Andrew C. Golden. He's here with us on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. So for Nats fans that want to watch the future, they want to see the young guys, who do you expect to get called up over the next two months? Um, you know, I, if there's one guy, maybe Jackson Rutledge, I, I, I think that could be an interesting name that could be in the mix. He's a 2019 first round pick. Um, he started to kind of, he got to a slow start to his career because of injuries. Um, but he's in triple A right now. And I know at some point the Nationals are going to need, um, are going to need some more starters. And I, and I think that they have a handful of guys who are reaching probably close to their innings limit or, or what the team must be their innings limit for the year. And so I could see them maybe adding a sixth starter to kind of manage the innings, and maybe you could bring up Jackson Rutledge to see what he can do. Um, and I, I think the Nationals have a handful of players and a handful of prospects who are on their way, but they might not quite be there yet. Um, but I think Rutledge is a name in AAA who you could maybe trust in that regard. Let's go around the league with Andrew Golden, Nats beat reporter for the Washington Post. What do you make of the Max Scherzer trade? Yeah, it was shocking. We were, we were in New York this weekend, and the kind of things just, things just kind of escalated very quickly. Um, I, I think it's a good deal for both sides. I think I think the Rangers are showing they're going to be competitive and they need a veteran who has the experience in, in, in the playoffs, even if he's not necessarily the guy that he has been in years past. I think you obviously need a guy like that um, who has experience. And I think for the Mets, I think it's a good deal because you're getting um, a quality player. Um, it's Ronald Acuna's brother. Um, I, I forget how to pronounce his first name. I think it's Luis Angel, I think it's his first name. So I think it's a good deal for both sides. Um, I think the Mets, you know, their farmers are getting better with that deal, the David Robinson deal. So I think it's a good deal for the Mets. In the NL East, the Atlanta Braves have an 11 and a half game lead on Miami, 12 game lead on Philadelphia, 67 and 36. Uh, it feels like they're World Series contenders. Give me your breakdown on the Braves. 
Yeah, the, the Braves were really good. Obviously, like they, you know, typically, you know, it was their their pitching stat that was really good. But this year, it's been their it's been their offense. Their offense is pretty unbelievable. Um, and but the Braves are very streaky. They'll go on these stretches where they'll win like eight in a row and they'll lose four or five in a row. Um, I think they're in one of those winning stretches right now. I think they just swept the Brewers, if I'm correct, who the Astros are playing this weekend or, or this series. Um, but yeah, they're they're definitely a World Series contender. I mean, they, I mean, when you when you have the potential MVP and Ronald Acuna on your team, and you have the offense that they have, they're always a contender. Um, I'm interested to see what they do at the deadline with some starting pitching. Because um, I think they need some more pitching uh, to really improve their roster. But I think I think they're in the right direction, and they'll get Max Freed back. So I think they're heading in the right direction. What do you think is going to happen with Shohei Otani? Will he pitch in the postseason this year? Well, the Angels are certainly making a push. They they acquired Randall Grichik and uh, CJ Crone yesterday. Um, they're they're they're, de- they're definitely in the mix, and they're trying to add pieces that they hope could help them contend. Obviously, they added Lucas Giolito, so. Uh, you know, you know, it, it remains to be seen, but I think they're training in the right direction. Obviously, if they can get Mike Trout back, they're you know they're only four games out of the wild card, um, and they have a handful of games left against the Rangers, so maybe they can pick up some pace in the division too. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I'm really not sure, but they definitely have the pieces, and they're showing they're trying to contend for it. You can read Andrew Golden's work online on the WashingtonPost.com. Anything you want to promote right now, Andrew? No, just, just just keep following us on, on the WashingtonPost.com uh, on, on their site as we kind of break down the trade deadline and uh, look forward to more stories after that. Yep, hopefully there will be some news in the next few days. That is Andrew yep. Golden. Follow him on social media at Andrew C. Golden. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. appreciate it. Have a good one. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So we're not too far away from the start of the NFL season, and I've got my eyes locked on Netflix's new show, Quarterback, and uh, it's so intriguing. You get Kirk Cousins. You know, I'm starting to fall in love with Kirk again from his time in Washington, now with the Vikings. Marcus Mariota, very interesting. And then, of course, love watching Patrick Mahomes en route to winning his second Super Bowl. And joining us right now on the Hadeen Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, Mr. Hollywood on our show, it's Brandon Katz. What's going on, buddy? I'm doing good, Adam. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. What do you think of Netflix's show, Quarterback? I mean, it's so interesting for super fans of the NFL, such as ourselves, such as many of your listeners, getting that day-to-day insight into how these, you know, uh, quarterbacks from across the spectrum of quality and popularity operate, given everything that's required of them to be at the top of their game. It's so fascinating to see that peek behind the curtain. And it's another example of how sports leagues are using really interesting new levers to develop new fandom, particularly as sports TV starts moving from, you know, linear cable to streaming. So it's just a clever idea all the way around. Yeah, and there's been a lot of rumors already about a second season uh, going to be developed with Peyton Manning, Omaha Productions, and they want to get Joe Burrow. You know, they tried Lamar Jackson. He turned him down. A lot of quarterbacks have turned them down, uh, but it's so awesome, and I definitely think they're going to lock down three for season two. What do we know about the future of Netflix getting more involved in sports documentaries and possibly live sports? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in August, they have a bunch of new entries in their ongoing untold series that are going to focus specifically on a lot of different athletes and a lot of sports-related stories. And it's important for them to continue to dabble into this sports world. 
And in terms of live sports, you know, the re- reports from recent years have been that they don't want to necessarily throw their hat in the ring for one of the main sports. You know, they're not trying to bid on the billion dollars worth of NFL rights or NBA rights, but probably smaller leagues, tennis, golf, racing, things of that nature. And really, long term, if you look at Netflix from a business perspective, their pricing power or their ability to keep charging customers more and more may be capped until they start getting into live sports. So they start adding more of that because that is something that super fans will sign up for solely because that they, they can watch their favorite sports or athletes. Brandon Katz, Mr. Hollywood, with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. He is an entertainment industry strategist at Parrot Analytics. Follow him on social media at great underscore Catsby. Oh, so we've got to get into the phenomena that's taken over the world right now, and that is the Barbie movie. Now, growing up, my sister had all the Barbie dolls, so I knew it was popular. But here we are 25 years later, and everybody's dressing up, and they're making it an occasion to go to the theater. It's blowing me away, Brandon. It's an example of just an incredible marketing campaign constructed by Warner Brothers and just the natural attraction and charisma of Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling and just the fact that it's a really enjoyable, fun movie. You know, it's a perfect storm of factors with Oppenheimer that have produced the uh, fourth largest opening box office weekend in U.S. history last weekend when they both debuted. And it's just a a good, healthy sign for the industry. Now the question is, can the movie industry maintain that momentum? And what lessons do they take away from this Barbenheimer success? Because it can always go either way. Brandon, I was at uh, Charlotte, North Carolina last week for ACC kickoff, and I'm making small talk with, uh, I think, a UNC reporter. And he says, Oppenheimer is the greatest movie I've ever seen. Uh, What do you make of that, and what is your review of Oppenheimer? Listen, I I am not here to tell anyone how they should or shouldn't enjoy a movie. I loved Oppenheimer. I thought it was fantastic. I can't wait to see it again in theaters, which is the ultimate compliment for a three-hour movie. I don't know if it's the best movie I've ever seen. I mean, when the Sandlot exists, how can you (laughs) say that? (laughs) That's a good point. Hey, I love having you on the show, and you know I always have to ask you, what's the latest with my guy, Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh, you know, uh, me and you are big Leo fans. We got his upcoming film with Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro, Killers of the Flower Moon, this fall. That's looking like a guaranteed Oscar contender. And also another, much like Oppenheimer, you know, adult-skewing, mature drama about heavy, serious themes and, and actions from history that could also probably make a pretty penny at the box office, given the talent involved. So super excited for that. Highly suggest people go check out the trailer if they haven't already. It's Brandon Katz with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, entertainment industry strategist at Parrot Analytics. You can read his work online, social media, at great underscore Catsby. Uh, I'm also a sucker for Jackie Chan. You know this. What do we know about his new movie that's taking the number one spot on Netflix right now with John Cena? It's called Hidden Strike. You know, Jackie Chan is an absolute legend. John Cena has a huge fan base, particularly among younger viewers. So that combination is unsurprisingly a success. And you know what? Jackie Chan's going to follow up this little uh, Netflix bump with voicing Splinter in the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that's coming, I believe, either this week or next week, and has gotten rave reviews. The trailers look great. So Jackie Chan comeback, I think we're all here for it, right? 
No, I, I'm all for it. I, I've rewatched The Foreigner recently. Uh, I, I think it's better than John Wick. <laughs> and I'm serious because a lot of people love John Wick, but Jackie Chan, you know, just being a crazy murderer and uh, all the action stunts, it, it's one of my favorites. I have to ask you about the Marvel series Secret Invasion. I just finished it this weekend. I'm not a fan of Skrull. I, I'm a fan of She-Hulk, but I don't love all green people. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know what? Everyone has their own opinions. To me, Secret Invasion was definitely on the lower end of Marvel productions, both including, including TV and film. I think for such an interesting premise, it wasn't really set up well. It leaves us with more questions than answers. And was frankly, for a spy thriller series, was kind of boring in which all the major characters weren't very good at spycraft. And I feel like that was a big disconnect. But you know what? Hopefully we've got some good Marvel uh, content coming the rest of the uh, the year. They just released the, se- the season two trailer for Loki, which looks absolutely fantastic. And that is one of their more popular Disney Plus shows. Brandon, anything you wanted to promote or let the audience know that they should stream this week? Oh, man, so many good things. we got Good Omen season two on Amazon Prime. we got Harley Quinn season four on Max. we got the continued Righteous Gemstone season three on HBO. Twisted Metal recently hit Peacock based on the popular video game. So we've got a lot of options to choose from right now. So no one can complain there's nothing to watch. I love to hear that, man. Always good having you on the show. That's Mr. Hollywood, Brandon Katz, entertainment industry strategist at Parrot Analytics. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Adam. Yep. And, hey, we've got a new ownership here with the Commanders. I I did want to let the audience know you are a diehard Commanders fan. And I could not be more thrilled that we have professionalism and an actual human being (laughs) in the front office now as owner instead of whatever you want to use to describe the previous regime. I'm sure it includes a lot of four-letter words that we will not be saying here. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have to link up at a game this year, man. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks a lot. Take care. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. <clears throat> Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for the first ever football festival coming to River City Roll August 19th from 3 to 7 p.m. You can expect live music. We've got a couple great bands. DJ Dukesta representing JMU, and I will give you guys a full football season preview, talking all things high school football here in the 804. College football, Virginia Tech, UVA, JMU, ODU, and more. And then, of course, the Washington Commanders. And joining us right now to talk a little Commanders on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, it's our buddy Chris Stone, Stone Dog from Ref the District. What's going on, buddy? What's up, Awad? I always appreciate the time. Hey, what do I got to do to get to that Richmond party? Hey, you! It is an open invitation, man. It's going to be a free event. It's going to be awesome. You, you guys can show up, wear a Redskins jersey, a Commanders jersey, and you can join me on stage. It'll be awesome. I'm there. Let's do it, man. And River City Roll, you guys know that I talk about the pizza being banging. The River City Roll pizza is a ten out of ten. You're gonna have to try it. <laughs> Oh, oh, I won't have any problem trying the pizza, trust me. <laughs> hey, man, I'm fired up, and so is Ron Rivera. He was quoted saying he's fired up after changes from the ownership after the sale. It seems to me like Ron Rivera feels like there's a real opportunity to impress ownership and keep his job. That's going to be a pretty tough sell, I think, in the long run. But absolutely, the, the ownership group is going to come in. They're not going to clean house right away. 
And Ron's got an opportunity here to just show the entire organization, the new heads of the organization, and say, look, I've built this team from scratch, basically from the bottom over the last three years, and now we're getting ready to contend for actual playoff bursts and maybe even a championship at some point. So I'm the guy you're going to want to keep on for the long run and, and bring this team to eventually where everybody wants them to be, which is a playoff contender and, and Super Bowl champion. Biggest takeaways from week one of 2023 training camp. Mine has to be the amount of fans in attendance. How about you? Yeah, that. I mean, there's no doubt. It's such a night and day from the last couple of years, especially last year. I mean, I was out there a couple of times last year, and, and the crowds were okay or whatever, but this year is a completely different vibe. And they've got, I believe, on Saturday, they had anywhere from ten to 12,000. They were raucous. These, these fans want to get back and support this team in every way possible. And no, at no point last year did Ron address the crowd, but he felt like he had to on Saturday saying that the crowd is so important to this team being successful. And maybe, just maybe, that turns into a home field advantage at FedEx this year. Man, I'm hoping. Me too, man. How confident are you in this defense? Ended last year top in the league, third down defense, but we all know they struggled. There was a time in the year where they were giving up chunk plays and almost it felt like 20 yards a snap. How confident are you in the defense this year? Yeah, the, the best thing about that, though, Awad, is that those, those chunk plays really happened at the beginning of the year. And then they started making adjustments, and when they moved uh, Bobby McCain into the slot, and he's not here anymore, but they made adjustments and said, this is what we need to do to get better. And the second half of the year, the defense was awesome. And then they went out and they said, okay, sure, the defense is awesome, but let's use our first two picks on secondary, more secondary help, which was probably the weakest part of their defense. And so how can you not say that this team has gotten better defensively because you took, as you said, a top, very top defense, top five defense, and improved upon it. You didn't lose anybody except for McCain and uh, your inside linebacker, but really you didn't lose your big dogs. You didn't lose your linemen. You didn't lose your safety, your safety. So I think this defense is going to be improved from last year. It's Chris Stone with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow him on social media, RTD the Stoner from Ref the District. Follow them on social media at Ref the District. So, you know, all offseason, the national media was questioning Ron Rivera and his decision to say that Sam Howe would be QB1. Now, after just one week of training camp, the national media is starting to buy in on Sam Howe and starting to believe in the young quarterback. I mean, it's pretty awesome to see uh, that people are starting to get fired up for Sam Howe. Here's what I think is we are going to underestimate the amount of yards and touchdowns he's going to get with his legs. Like, I, I really think, you know, come halfway through the season, we're going to be like, wow, he's already got seven touchdowns with his legs, you know, and he might have a yeah. few with his arm as well and, and some turnovers, but I really think he's going to impress some people running the football. Well, I think that was probably the biggest surprise when you look back at the tape and you look back at what he did at North Carolina is his ability to not just run when he needed to, but run when he was supposed to in terms of the RPOs that he led in this offense. And and that was a bit uh, pretty surprising when you look at kind of his size and his abilities. He's going to do that here. Uh, Eric Bieniemy is going to draw up some RPOs 
for him to be successful because he does have that ability. And people are sleeping on his talent for running the RPO, being understanding when to run. He did it last year for a touchdown in the game against Dallas. He had an RPO, and, and as immediately as he saw that hole, he said, I'm not going to throw it to, uh, you know, toss it to the running back. I'm going to take that hole, put my foot in the ground, and I'm going to get in that end zone. He did that successfully in his only chance last year against the Cowboys, and he did it super successfully at North Carolina. So don't sleep on Sam Howell's ability to run the ball. Yeah, I mean, we all want to see him throw for 400 yards and light up teams, but this is going to be a team that pounds the rock. And speaking of running the ball, Brian Robinson Jr. coming into this season healthy. I mean, he got shot last year. It's like hard to even wrap our mind around that. I have huge expectations for Robinson Jr. this season. Yeah, Brian Robinson is every bit the sort of bell cow type back that you want on your team. He is physical. He's elusive as well. He'll get you those extra couple of yards that you need. And what we've seen so far in camp this year in just four practices that they've had is that he can catch the ball out of the backfield. It's one thing to be able to just catch the ball, but he understands where Eric the enemy wants him to catch the ball and then get upfield and get those yards that he needs. And Brian Robinson, I mean, even after he was shot, he was still came into uh, the regular season. He was the number one running back. He took that job from Antonio Gibson. And Gibson even said in training camp this year, he said, you know, I'm a J.D. McKissick type role. I'm a third down back. He knows Brian Robinson has taken that first string role and run with it. And you're not going to get be able to get him off the field unless something drastic happens. Stone Dog, there's a petition challenging the commander's name once again. It's picking up steam. Yep. Uh, do you give that any thought, or are you over it? Uh, I'm over it. It's You can call them whatever you want to call them. I don't, I don't care what you call the team. You can call them the, the pink turtleneck tiddlywinks. It doesn't matter. Whatever their name is, we're all going to root for them. If they change it back to the Redskins, great, but they're going to have a, they got a long way to go to be able to do that. If you want to change it to the Red Hogs or the Red Wolves, fine, great, keep it commanders, football team, doesn't matter. I'm rooting for this team. We all should, no matter what their name is. And, and let's move forward. If, do what you got to do. It doesn't matter. Let's just play some football. Let's go pink turtlenecks. <laughs> pink, pink turtleneck tiddlywinks. It doesn't matter. Just play ball and win some games. That's it. That's Chris Stone from Ref the District. I appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time, man. All right, buddy. I hope to see you at the uh, at the Richmond party. It's going to be a good, uh, big deal. Absolutely. Football Festival coming to River City Roll August 19th from 3 to 7 p.m. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. We've got Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C.